Welcome to Stories of Hope. This is a podcast by the Dream Center where you will hear from people who have stories that once seemed hopeless. People whose stories of redemption and life transformation are so powerful they can only be possible by the power of Jesus. Hey guys, my name is Tatum and I'm here with Joey. Hey guys. We are so excited for today's episode. We are part of the leadership team here at the Dream Center. And today we will be talking with Laura. She is over our child care, our transportation, and she is also a Celebrate Recovery leader. So hi, Laura. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. A little nervous. That's okay. No worries. Well, um, we are going to just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and then telling us um, what it was like growing up in your family. Okay. Well, right now, my husband and I have been married for almost 35 years. Mark and I met when we were in graduate school. And we have one daughter, Owen, and she's married to Aaron. And they have a daughter, Thalia. And uh, being a grandparent is probably the, the richest blessing of my life because as much as I enjoyed my daughter growing up, I think that, you know, there's always a certain amount of pressure when you're the parent that you've got to do everything right. And I don't feel like I enjoyed her as much growing up as I should have. But now I get a chance to do all that over with my granddaughter, and I think it's awesome. Yeah, I know that you beam every time you talk about her, Laura. <laughs> it's, it's a natural response. So tell us a little bit more about your family growing up. My family growing up, you know, when I really, in my mind, I divide my childhood into sort of a before and after, but it was really idyllic. My parents loved each other. We lived in a mobile home on family property. We had 40 acres of woods around us and grew up playing outside. I have one brother, Jonathan. He's three and a half years younger than I am, which translated to four years behind me in school. Uh, So after grammar school, we weren't even in school together. But, you know, we played outside. We lived close to both sets of grandparents, uh, spent holidays and Sundays with cousins and extended family, and um, always the church. We, we were very active in our church. We lived very close to our church. It was a, the family church that my grandmother's family had been among the founding members of in the 1880s, actually. So, you know, the... It was a small rural community between Clemson and Seneca, and it, it was just it was just great. And I think everything from my early years just seemed perfect. Laura and I are members of Celebrate Recovery. Uh, we know that we need that, right, Laura? Yes, always. <laughs> yeah. And I had this question about I know from your story, and I've heard it before, and I'm glad you're able to share it today. Uh, What struggles were you faced with when you were growing up? I guess that really falls into part two of my childhood. You know, I grew up thinking we basically lived in Mayberry, like on the TV show, Andy Griffith, Mayberry, you know, a small town community. Everybody knew everybody else. But about around my ninth birthday, there were, there was a string of tragedies in our town, an accident that claimed seven teenage lives of a neighbor who had to who who shot his father who was attacking the mother and then there were the murder suicides and one of the murder one of the suicides actually 
was my 17-year-old uncle. And so around that time, I realized that the world wasn't as safe really as I thought it was, but because I was a child and I was not directly involved in seeing those things or being a, a participant in those things, I don't think anyone realized at that time, and, and you've, this, has been, this has been 40 years ago, I don't think anyone really realized how much damage that could do, not the way we recognize it now. And we moved away from my idyllic little neighborhood, and I was a very shy child and socially awkward. And after we moved, I just never really felt like I fit in anywhere. The second summer that we lived in Easley, my brother was drowned and I and revived and, and I saw it. And that's when I learned to keep secrets because my aunt told my her brother, who was my dad, but we were sworn to secrecy. We never told my mother until my brother was in his forties. Secrets are are damaging. There there's a time and a place to share things. And you don't want to share everything you know with everybody you meet. But to to be forced to keep something inside that is that traumatic did a lot of damage, I think. So when did you realize that you had hurts, habits, and hang-ups? I don't think I realized the extent of my hurts, habits, and hang-ups until after my daughter was born. I mean, I was... I was in my 30s when I realized that those awkward teenage feelings that everyone goes through where you just don't feel like you fit in and your voice doesn't fit your body and your body doesn't fit your perception of what you're supposed to look like. And everyone goes through that, but I never grew out of it. And I realized that I loved teaching. I was very comfortable with children, but very uncomfortable with the parents um, and uncomfortable with the other adults at my church. I would rather work with the children than the adults because I always felt like other people around me knew things about how to, how to person that I, I didn't know how to do. And um, I covered it up by doing everything really, really well. And that there's nothing wrong with, with quality and being exceptional, but when you think you have to do it to hide what you really are and that you're really not everything you should be, it becomes more damaging. I remember about four years ago, you know, when you stepped in to celebrate recovery. <laughs> at that, at, and we know that when people come to celebrate recovery, there's a reason behind that. Right. Um, it yeah, it's so you... Could you tell those listening, you know, what what was your breaking point? How how did you realize it, and why did you want that in, to change in your life? Well, you know, my breaking point was not a, a huge thing. It was not a road to Damascus moment. It was a series of, you know, small things, small hurts that I just stuffed down, and I didn't feel, and I didn't tell people what I needed and, and what I was feeling. And, and you know, by 1999, um, I was 
under psychiatric care and on medication for depression. Uh, they call it major depressive disorder now. And um, and that kept me functional. The, the medication, honestly, it kept me able to get up, to do what I had to do, to go to work, to to excel at my job. But when I would come home, I would just fall apart. And um, and it, it just was a pattern that it just continued, and it seemed like every little thing that came up, one more little task added to my day could send me into a tailspin. Um, and I don't like to cry, and I learned to be angry. Because in my family of origin, anger was always sort of considered a legitimate emotion, and sadness or feeling sorry for yourself was not. And um, by 2015, my brother had been in a nursing home with multiple sclerosis. For He had already been in there for seven years. And my mother was de- developing early signs of dementia, they, my, my, my daddy was already dead. My brother's marriages has all, had all dissolved. They had nobody to help them do what they had to do except me. And I was just completely overwhelmed. And, um, I went back into, back into therapy and, um, he suggested, my therapist suggested maybe that I'd like to try Al-Anon since my brother had had drug and alcohol problems, and maybe I I needed group support. And um, a Facebook friend of mine actually, she recommended Celebrate Recovery, which I had never heard of because during the time that my mental stress was getting worse, I had lost my faith. I had stopped going to church. I... Um, I really wasn't 100% sure I even believed in God anymore. So when she suggested Celebrate Recovery, I was not sure that was going to work out very well. And I told her that we didn't have any in my area. And she said, Laura, this is a ministry that is all over North America and in other foreign countries. She said, go and Google it. And when I Googled it, I found out that not only were there several Celebrate Recoveries in South Carolina, but there was actually one that had been meeting for two years already, two miles from my house. That just seemed like a sign that I'd tried everything else to feel better and that maybe that was something that was at least worth trying. We've talked a little bit about Celebrate Recovery. You just mentioned that. Can you explain what Celebrate Recovery is and how that has particularly impacted your life? And then would you recommend that to others? Um, Celebrate Recovery actually is it's a Christ-centered 12-step program, very similar to AA or NA. The, the biggest difference, I think, between Celebrate Recovery and the other traditional 12-step programs is that in Celebrate Recovery, we, you know, they always talk about a higher power. We name our higher power. We are a Christ-centered recovery, so Jesus Christ is our higher power. And the other difference, perhaps, between the traditional 12-step programs is that at Celebrate Recovery, 
any hurts, habits, or hang-ups are welcome. It, it may be a chemical addiction. It may be a sexual addiction. It could be overeating. Uh, whatever your, your issue is, we all meet together and worship together in the large group time, and then we split the groups by what a person's particular needs are. So Celebrate Recovery, how has it impacted your journey, your transformation? During uh, Celebrate Recovery, did that, does that begin when, you know, you said you were even having trouble with faith in, in Christ. Did it change in Celebrate Recovery, or was it before that? And, and how has your transformation impacted your family? Celebrate Recovery has, has been huge for me, and probably... And, and it's a little bit embarrassing to say, but we're only as sick as our secrets, so I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I had actually started believing in God again because I was so angry, so angry about the way that life was unfolding and all of the things that had fallen on me to be responsible for that I couldn't. I didn't cause them. I didn't cause my mother's or brother's illnesses. I didn't cause it. I couldn't change it. There was no way to fix it, and it wasn't going to end until someone died. And um, I realized that I couldn't be that angry at a fictional deity. So I knew that I did still actually believe in God because I was so angry at him. But in working the steps of Celebrate Recovery, I came to to realize that the picture of God that I had had growing up wasn't accurate. It it did not really reflect God's heart for us the way that I now see through reading the scriptures and through studying and and consciously trying to stay connected to God. I realized that I had a lot of faulty theology growing up and um and I will, and I will say especially this about celebrate recovery I never understood the concept of of grace and when people would talk about God's grace I mean you could just hear it whistle over my head because I didn't understand but I found more of God's brand of grace and acceptance and celebrate recovery than I had in a lifetime of church attendance. And part of it was was that I was ready to learn. Uh, I was eager to learn. Um, but, but part of it was just the acceptance of the other people in Celebrate Recovery that no matter what my hurts were and that I had to confess them, I wasn't ever going to be judged, and they were not going to love me one bit less that they accepted me the way Christ accepts us, just as we are. You know, you said something about being angry. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I too have gone through some struggles and battles uh, of my own, and and one of that is through my son. And I'll say this because somebody may need to hear it out there that uh, my son came to me and he asked me that question: uh, Is it okay to be angry at God? And and that's where you were in your story and have learned through that process and that journey. And when he asked me that, I had to think through it. But then I've come to the conclusion that 
you know, it's okay because he's big enough to handle it. He is. And, you know, he couldn't, the things that I had internalized throughout my life, all the little slings and arrows and, and how I processed them in my mind. But I, I, I had been taught that only certain of my feelings were valid. And so I learned to stuff down the feelings that were not valid. And the problem there is you can stuff them down and you can stuff them down for a long time, but when they erupt, it is not going to be pretty. And, and it's not going to be helpful to me or to anyone else. But God can't, God is not going to just come charging in like a knight on a white horse and fix all my little problems. He's very willing and able to help me with my problems, but I have to confess to him first that I've got them. That's so true. We have Laura and I have been talking about this in a study that we're doing um, as a staff with the, the female staff members and some of our residents, um, the idea that Bitterness and unforgiveness, they can be stuffed down so deep, but that just ultimately leads to such a hard exterior. And the Lord truly desires for us to experience freedom from these things. And Laura has touched on that so much in our time together, both now, but also just in our study together, that there is hope in Christ, that Jesus himself through the cross has offered us a better way Mm -hmm. and abundance of life. And um, the enemy wants to tell us that anger and bitterness and frustration and unforgiveness, that those are things that we can hold on to. Um, but they pale in comparison to the cross. They pale in comparison to the gospel. I and mean, as a Christ follower, that's something that we get to seek after, that God allows us to work through these things with him by his grace, like you said, through his spirit working within us. And I'm just so encouraged by you, Laura, and, and you saying that now um, and just saying that that all throughout our time in our study. So what would you say that you are most proud of in your life or professionally, personally, whatever that may look like, what are you most proud of? Well, I think I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the restored relationships that I have with my family. And, and I actually have friends now, um, people that I, that I enjoy spending time with that, that enjoy spending time with me, which for many years, I was so much of a loner. I was so isolated. So I, I really like that people can see a difference in me and people who knew me in in my early adulthood who who meet me now they cannot believe the difference and and it's all Jesus but um i think i'm most proud that i can be the kind of daughter sister mom grandma and friend that god always knew i could be and i'm proud that as hard as it has been at times and throughout all the struggles, it, it's not wasted that this is something that my having gone through it gives me a story of hope that maybe will encourage someone else to reach out and get the help they need. You know, if you could talk to yourself about eight years ago, <laughs> maybe a little less, but in yeah. that time frame, uh, when you step foot into Celebrate Recovery, uh, what would you say to that Laura now? Oh, I would hop back into that time machine. First, I would I would tell me to breathe, stop, take a breath, 
realize you're not in this alone, that God has put people in your life who would be willing to help you if you would tell them you were having a problem because, like I said, I was keeping secrets. And and I would tell her that, you know, even though the situation may not change, God can help you change how you think about it. And a lot of the damage that I was doing to myself well, I was doing it. It was self-inflicted. And um, and I think I would just tell her to reach out sooner. You know, don't wait. You know, we know we both know that um, coming to Celebrate Recovery or a, a group much like Celebrate Recovery is not automatically going to change you and everything's going to be perfect. No, not at all. <laughs> but it's a process. And we say at Celebrate Recovery, it's one day at a time, if not yes. one minute, one second. One minute, one second at a time, and, absolutely. And I can tell you, Laura, that I have seen uh, that progression in your life from that very first time that you stepped foot into Celebrate Recovery to where <laughs> we are now. And I have to say, I could say this, uh, being a host, I am proud of where you are now. Well, thank you very much. For those that are listening that may be in a situation similar to yours, Laura, or maybe parts of your story that they've connected with, what would you say to them to encourage them in their struggles or what they're going through right now? Um, I, I would tell them to reach out to someone that they trust and, and tell them, you know, that they have, that they're having a problem and what the problem is. But it it really does need to be someone you trust, uh, your, your health care professional. Certainly, if you have a church family, someone in your church family that you admire and that you think they have a good walk with the Lord. You know, and and I will say this because I, I don't ever want people to think that Celebrate Recovery is, is necessarily a cure for depression. I have depression and anxiety. I am still medicated, and I'm still in therapy. But my my Monday night meeting makes all the difference in how I go through my week and how connected I feel. And, um, and Celebrate Recovery will tell you that if you do have a mental illness, that you should be under a health care professional's care. And if you need your medication to control your symptoms, that you should absolutely take it. But there, there is so much healing available in working the steps and seeking conscious contact with God that that is the, that is the work of Celebrate Recovery and that you can do that wherever you are. Absolutely. It's the 12 steps and the eight principles uh, that we go through uh, every Monday night. And uh, if you're sitting out there listening and you say, I need a place to go to for my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Um, wherever you are, as Laura said just a second ago, you can go and Google uh, Celebrate <laughs> Recovery, and you can find uh, where a, a group is meeting. Uh, if you're in our area, in Pickens County area, you can join us every Monday night at 6.30 at Celebrate Recovery here at the Dream Center. We'd love to have you. And uh, But I want to say to Laura being here now, thank you. Uh, thank you for your honesty. Uh, thank you for your transparency, and thank you for joining us today to share your story of hope. You're very welcome. I'm glad I could be here. And for those that are listening, we will see you guys next time. And remember, one person can't do everything, but every person can do something. 
Thanks for joining us today for Stories of Hope. For more information about the Dream Center, visit our website at dreamcenterpc.org. Additional resources related to today's episode can be found in our podcast show notes.